Welcome citizens, you're listening to New Amsterdam Radio, the podcast for creatives. Here, thinkers and doers always have a key to the city. The mayor is in, so office hours start now. Oh, let's do it to it, citizens. Another week. Another week has gone by in the city for creatives. New Amsterdam and New Amsterdam Radio presented by SeatGeek. Get yourself the best tickets possible to concerts, sports, and more. SeatGeek.com. Use promo code FLOBITO, F-L-O-B-I-T-O, for $20 off your first order. Now, we always talk about what it means to be creative. I mean, try to get creative from all walks of life, but you're going to love this one. Daniel Orsino is kind of a Jill of all trades. Not only is she the author of the Birth of the Face series, she's a cosplayer as well and is featured on the covers of her own books. That is a dream and a half. I kind of wish I could do that for my own. But if you notice, Graduation Day, my recent book, has a picture of a podium or lectern. So I don't know. Gotta keep that for the bucket list as we move on to this one. Before we get to the interview, I just gotta say uh, we're all available on social media at New Amsterdam on that Instagram and that new underscore Amsterdam on that Twitter. And me personally, flobito.com. F-L-O-B-I-T-O.com. Thank you so much for making this show part of your podcasting diet. You have so many options. I tell this to all of my guests before I hit record. We have over 400,000 podcasts in the United States alone. Uh, And the fact that you get to spend time with me means a great deal. Uh, As far as my personal stuff, you already know, gearing up for the spring baseball season, seeing the world, and I got some really cool, interesting sports-related content coming down the pipe, and those will be posted on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Boys. but you didn't come here to listen to me promote my stuff. <laughs> You're here to listen to really great conversations with those who are doing it. Daniel Orsino is up after this. Welcome back to New Am Sam Radio, the podcast for creatives. It is I, the mayor, Flobo Voice, in the mayor's office, hanging with people who are doing the dang thing. And well, my guest today is doing it with a plum, a little slice of controversy. We're going to get into that in just a second. Please welcome Daniel Orsino to the show, cosplayer, author, slash, 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 you do it all. I try. How are you? I'm fantastic. You know, this is a good time. It's still the dead of winter, but it's LA. So winter is like 60 degrees. You know what I mean? Like, what can I do? Can't complain. Can't complain at all. Uh, let's talk of brass tacks. 2023, um, I'm not sure if you think of it as the first full year out of the pandemic, or if we're still in the pandemic, uh, where's your, your thing is, how has it been for you being creative during this time where it seemed like everything was in flux? Uh, I can't say that, you know, the pandemic as a creative has necessarily affected me in that sense. I still think, I think it's just the norm now. You know, I don't look at it and be like, oh, we're still in it. It's just like, yeah, this is everyday life. Uh, As a creative, I write solo. Mm -hmm. So it's just kind of like, yep, what else is new? I'm going to go in my cave. Here I go. You know, I got my pups running around me. It's it's all the same. Uh, Writers are normally isolationists to begin with. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I tend to write with music. I'm not like one of those quiet writers. I can't, I can't do that. I got RuPaul's Drag Race blaring in the background, you know, <laughs> plus music going on. So I, I need some kind of noise, but I was never somebody to go to a coffee shop and write. I don't know how people do that. Like kudos yeah. to them. Like I said, give me my RuPaul, give me, you know, Housewives of New York and, and I'm good. 
All right, just for some uh, little bit of background information here, Birth of the Fang, five books uh, already in the series, and also a, an epilogue as well. But just, just take a step back. You decided to to write pretty much later on in your life. You, you were, it was like a childhood dream to be an author. You kind of got into it. How did that work out? Uh, my dad will tell you it was a childhood dream because there's an essay from like second grade where I was like, I want to be an author. But then two weeks later, I wrote an essay saying I want to be Wonder Woman. So like when they say it was a childhood dream, I'm like, yeah, OK. Um, yeah. You know, uh, you know, like I said, I wanted to be Wonder Woman. I got a Wonder Woman tattoo. So I guess all around it worked yeah, out. But um, no, I was a nurse. I was first a professional martial artist. I competed all over uh, the United States. I represented Team USA in the WKA World Championships. So that was my first career. I moved on to nursing because after you beat people up, you got to patch them up. So, you know, Damn. natural progression. Yeah. And then I just met a patient who needed a distraction while he was in, in the IV chair. He just didn't want to do it anymore. So we started talking and I said something like, you know, tell me something interesting about yourself that you haven't said in the year and a half that we've known each other in this uh, IV therapy. And he said, well, uh, I was recruited by the CIA out of college. And I'm like, well, darn, okay, that's kind of, <laughs> how did that not come up in all this time? Right. You know, let's expand on that. And then we just started joking about, you know, we went down the usual rabbit hole of conspiracy theories. Could have found out what was going on in, you know, Roswell. We could have done this and that. And he right. was like, no, no, no. It was the Trends and Intentions Division. He's like, like an analyst, you know. If you're thinking yeah. of the recruit, it's, you know, it was not that exciting. Let me just say it. <laughs> Noah Santino isn't popping out anytime soon. So uh, we started discussing that. And it just kind of the story just started evolving. And as he told me more about it, I was like, Oh, I know what you're really doing here in this Lyme disease clinic. And he's like, yeah, what? I'm like, you're trying to find out, you know, what caused it? Like, who's really the person behind it? And he's like, yeah, whatever. And I said, well, you know where Lyme disease <laughs> comes from? And he goes, uh, Plum Island, this and that, once again, conspiracy theory. And I said, no, out of my mouth. Don't know why I said this. I said, no, the Fae. And he was like, I'm sorry, the what? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, the Fae, you know, they don't like the way we're treating the planet. I just started making stuff up and he was like, well, who are the Fae? And I said, oh, they're, they're angels who um, didn't get involved in the war between God and Lucifer. So they're stuck here. Right. And I was like, but a big CIA agent like yourself knows that. I said, you're really here to see about the Fae human hybrid that's running this place. <laughs> and he just sat back in his chair and he was like, okay. And then I just put him in the story and started making stuff up. I don't know. I didn't like, you know. I yeah. just made him a part of the story and made him the CIA agent and I made it up about this nurse and him and whatever. And then I would go back to talking about the Fae and I would tell him a chapter every time he sat down. Yeah. And it, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to write it. No idea what I was doing. Very Arabian Nights of it all. So I've heard this story on a lot of your interviews, which is a very cool, fascinating story because my mom was also a nurse. Well, she was a, a, a labor and delivery nurse, but a little different. But mm -hmm. still, it's all medical professional. And I appreciate the fact that you, you took the, the situation and then called it in. But now, late years later, book series later, it still astounds me that you have you have to be around the noise and stimulation to write. I figure mythology is so complex and so deep be like total silence, sense deprivation, oh, black no. rooms. <laughs> like, how does that work? Yeah. How do you how do you go how do you tap into that that world when you're writing? Uh, I guess because partly I'm a comic book junkie. I'm a big comic book fan. That's that's my writing thing. Uh, that's my genre. Chris, Chris Claremont, uh, Jim Steranko, all those guys, George Perez. Okay. So I'm kind of used to white noise because when you read a comic book, 
it's very visually stimulating and I would play it out in my head a lot. It's not that silence. The other thing is uh, I play the scene out in my head like a movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm acting it out in my head and a lot of times I'm saying it to see if it works because my, my view is that if I'm bored, the reader's gonna be bored. Sure. So I'll say it and I'll replay it a couple times to see if the context is right, uh, how, they're, how they're moving, you know, all those things before I get the scene right where it is and I handwrite. I don't sit at a computer. A lot of times I'll handwrite, then I'll go to the computer and edit it. Uh, so I wanna play music because that's the emotional crescendo and that's kind of my, my soundtrack to the whole book. Yeah. So I need that to follow along and see if I'm kind of hitting my marks correctly. So to me, silence doesn't really work. Right. It, it, it bores me a little bit. And if I'm playing it like a movie or even like a television series, the music helps. It helps me hit those points and hits the marks. Uh, when someone's reading a chapter, I kind of like to think of it as an episode. When you're done, I want you to finish that chapter and have two feelings. Oh my God, what the heck's happening in this? And oh, that was so good. Like, that's what I want you to feel. Right. And go from there. So silence just doesn't work. And I keep, I do keep an author index of everything that's happened, all the characters, physically what they look like, who they're related to, if I've killed them, if I haven't, yeah. where they're going. And that helps. Is, is the author index also written down or is that on a file somewhere? That's on a file. And okay. it, it goes from everybody from the first book through volume two, which has not yet been released that's that's actually agent graham who is my patient who inspired it yeah that go it goes at that far out so even stuff that has not been released is in that okay so you, you decide to write this, this series and and it seems like you're at least looking here on amazon where you can get the book and the book series uh reviews are are through the roof five stars up and down but i had to take a step back and ask i mean there's a lot of people with ideas in their head uh, what made you decide to cross over and say, not only am I going to write this down, I'm going to share it for other people to consume or purchase or what have you? That was, again, my patient. It was not my idea at all. No. I, I didn't think he was really the one who was like, you have to go and write this down. He's like, please go write. And I was like, nope, I'm going to physician assistant school. I'm going to pump some faces full of Botox and Restylane. I got my plans. I'm not doing this. And he kept kind of nudging me. Yeah, I was like... I'm going to go take the logical approach. I had already done the martial art, hang by my nails, do some personal training, hope I make the Brent kind of thing. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to go be logical now. You know, I'm going to get into healthcare. This is what I'm going to do. It's here's the path. And he was like, go write it down, go write it down. And then some things happened where the universe was like, here's a rock thrown at your head. Here's a boulder. Now this is not what you're supposed to do. Right. And writing happened. My husband was very, he was encouraging. He read a couple of drafts because I, I did write it down because I was like, this is going to go out of my head unless I write it down. Right. Uh, and he read it and he was like, you know, this, this isn't bad. And I was like, all right, if, if you think. I'm like, I don't know who's going to write it. Read That's it. the most husband response ever. This isn't bad. This isn't bad. And he was like, you know, you might have something here. Like, Wait a minute, you know? Yeah. Well, who knew? And then... Uh, my patient was like, I'm telling you, go write this down. So the first book I actually wrote, uh, I wrote them all at the same time, not knowing. Uh, but the first one that I concentrated on was what will be volume two, book one, uh, which was about the patient. I, I just was like, okay, we'll see. You know, it was all just kind of thrown aside. And then uh, a friend of mine had said she knew somebody in book publicity 
and that person mm-hmm. read the first chapter of locked out of heaven and she was like i want to sell this she's like i'm going to go and take this out i know people like let me go and do yeah. this and i was like all right if you think so like it was one of those sure go take it and i had gotten some bites from one of the big three and they but it just the process is so much more than what people think people think like you take it out and they're like sure i'm gonna make you a millionaire yeah it's not how it goes yeah 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 not even close um it went through a, a million edits and i fell for every scam out there on the internet if you think it's a scam about writing a book I did it. Trust me on this. <laughs> I've done it. I did it. Yeah. I Same did here. it. You know, yeah. fell for every, we'll edit your book. Okay. It'll just cost X amount of dollars. And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, plus this, plus that, plus, you know, why don't we just ghost write it? I'm like, no, no, no. I, I want to write it. I don't, I don't need, you know, um, to, we're going to life coach you through this. I, I don't need a life coach. Right. I just want an editor. Uh, yeah. I had one editor who hated uh, what will be volume two, which is called birth of a succubus hated it so much. She told me to go burn it. Wow. That's how much she hated it to where my, one of my final editors, uh, Cleet Barrett Smith said, he's like, this is your Hollywood moment. He's like, I don't know why anybody told you to like, who hated this book. He's like this. I love this series. I mean, I fell for, you name it. I fell for it. I remember I wanted somebody who claimed, and it's a reputable company who claimed they did airport book, um, bookstore distribution. That's all they did. And I said, mm-hmm. I already have a publisher, but I'd like to talk about airport bookstore d- distribution. I, oh yeah. We totally love to distribute your book. Yeah. Okay. So what we do sent them the manuscript. They sent me back a bill for $32,000 and Whoa. said, we would like to re-edit your book, put a new cover on it. Do this. this I'm like, uh, uh, no, I, this was just bookstore distribution. That, that was it. That's what you said. Right. And, the re- the review of my book was so scathing, it was 16 pages. I was hyperventilating, crying. It was wow. so bad. Yeah. And then I got to like page four and I was on the phone with Cleet actually. And it said something about somebody's father, like one of my character's fathers, Desdemona. And I went, wait a minute. Uh, I never talk about her father. It's, it's never mentioned in the whole book. Yeah. And they actually give me a page number and I'm going to the page and I'm like, it's, this line doesn't exist. Oh, wow. And then they mentioned something else. And I'm like, you didn't even read the book. Yeah. Like, what, what do you, do? so it was 16 pages of BS. And yeah. all they were trying to do was to get me to sign with them because they were a vanity press. Right. And I'm like, what are you, it's like <laughs> I said, I fell for everything. Yeah. It, it was almost ridiculous. The, the traps that are out there for authors. I have fallen for all of them that I keep joking. I'm actually going to do a documentary one day with a friend of mine on everything that we did before we were published and what not to do just so people can, because we know there's other authors out there going, I did that. I fell for that. I did that. And I'm like, we're just going to tell everybody, this is what happens before you're published. And even when you're published, this is what goes down just to show everybody. Yeah. My, my first two books were through a vanity press. And to this day, it's been like, 15 years, I'll call my parents' house and be like, hey, do you want to be in book fairs? I'm like, why do you care? <laughs> you haven't yep. read that book. The book is so long ago. Let's uh, talk about changing the covers of your book. Well, the covers you have now featuring someone famous in there? Is it, is, it, is it someone I know? Yeah, it might be somebody you know. Yes, I'm on uh, my second publisher. I left my first publisher uh, after book one and I was found by Four Horsemen Publications. They found me on a podcast. 
they were like, so how's it going with book one? And I'm like, yeah, it's okay. I was like, I'm getting ready for book two, you know, but the publisher I was first with had never done fiction. I was their first, you know, fiction author. And it was just going, eh. So Four Horsemen found me and they were like, why don't you come with us? So uh, it took me a couple months. I signed the contract and I said, oh, I already have my cover for book two. And I showed it to them. And Erica and Val, who are the CEOs and COOs, went, oh, that's uh, it's nice. Yeah, it's great. You know, I had this whole like, oh, it's all going to be blue. It's going to be this umbre of blue to represent fey blood. And I had this whole thing because us authors, you know how we are about our covers. We have a whole thing. And Val looked and she went, you know, I saw some cosplay pictures of you dressed as all your characters. I went, oh, yeah, I did it for a shoot. And she goes, you own those. I said, yeah, I own those pictures. She went, great. Give me 24 hours. And I was like, what? She's like, give me 24 hours. We'll talk tomorrow. I was like, okay, yeah, great. We had another Zoom and her and Erica are like chomping at the bit. And they were like, you ready? You ready? I'm like, ready for what? And all of a sudden I pop up on the cover of Locked Out of Heaven. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what's that? I was like, what, what? And they were like, so this is our idea. And I'm like, they were like, you're going to be on all your covers. We used your cosplay pictures and we're putting you on the covers. And I was like, wow, we didn't, I I didn't sign for this. And they were like, yes, that's what we're doing. They were like, you're a cosplayer. You're a woman. We don't know of any fantasy author that has ever done their series on the covers. This is what we're doing. Ta-da. And I was like, um, ah. Uh. And it took me a while. I didn't jump. I was like, I said, then these are my parameters. I said, you can't airbrush me to look 25. Right. You can't change my body. I said, and when I'm too old to do this or I don't want to do it anymore, I said, I will have a, you know, I have a say in who will take over. I said, or when you guys decide I can't do it anymore, I said, you'll tell me, you'll send me a pint of Hagen dolls I'll curse you out, and the next day we'll be fine <laughs> with each other. That's my deal. And they went, cool. Yeah. And I've been on the covers, all of them except the novella, which is about dragons, so that's not me. Um, but it's my friend's dog as the dragon, so I still had something to do with it. And cool. that's how it's gone ever since. So I've been, um, I'm on all five. I just, we're having, we're going to do book six soon, and I'll do that cover, and We'll go from there. And as I mentioned on previous episodes of the show, Hawkeye does a Brooklyn original. So let me ask you this then. So you were a cosplayer before, and they, they basically sourced these photos. Um, did that like inspire you to like go extra hard the next season for these conventions? Or you're kind of like, oh, wait, I'm going to hang back and give myself an air of exclusivity now that I'm going to be the cover of these books. Like, well, did that impact anything at all on that side? Um, I, You know what? I just wanted to have a good time when I cosplay. I like not cosplaying as my characters at conventions. I like being Harley, you know, and just going out as Harley Quinn because there's a certain escapism and air of freedom as that character. So I, I'm known for the character. I just have a good time and I can kind of hide a little bit. To whereas when I go as my characters, either people don't know them yet or there's a certain pressure to really bring Aurora to life or Asa. You know, I can't go as the mermaid because I can't walk in the, the fins, but you know, there's, there's a certain like pressure of just, oh, here comes the Oracle from, you know, Birth of the Fae, and I've got a big headpiece and stuff. Whereas yeah. when I'm Harley, I got a mallet, you know, I'm in leggings and, and big uh, ponytails and pigtails and what. There's yeah. just a freedom with it, and I'm always looking for my pudding. So I can, <laughs> run, around, uh, I can run around the convention, and I just have a good time. 
Yeah, I, I've only cosplayed once, and I thought I was so cool, and the pictures came back, and I wasn't. And so I give everyone who does that super props for being brave enough to do that. Uh, I get kind of swept up in the whole San Diego Comic-Con thing. It's a two-hour drive from my house. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And you're like, oh, it's 105 degrees, and I'm sweating. This, this I know that feeling. <laughs> I didn't plan this. Uh, so i got to ask on the other side of, of things, um, for everyone that loves the book, there may be some haters in the wings. I mean, have you come across any hecklers, any haters? How did you dealt with that as a budding creative yourself? Unfortunately, it's part of the job. Every every author knows you're going to be judged. Right. So that's there. You know it, I'm sure. You know, you've had it with your books. You get it. I was prepared for, you know, not every book is for everybody. And any author who says, oh, anyone can read my book. BS. Your book isn't, you know, not everybody loves it. Not everybody loves fantasy. Not everybody loves the Fae. I was prepared for that. It still hurts. I was mm. not prepared for the religious blowback I got. Mm. That, no, you, nobody. I, I did not expect that. I mean, I was writing fantasy. Yes, you know, there are angels who are locked out of heaven who can't go home. And I thought, maybe somebody will raise an eyebrow. Maybe. Did I expect to be put on blasphemy lists and people to say they're petitioning the Vatican to have the book removed? Wow. No. Um, the death threats, all of that. No, not in a million years did I expect to receive death threats. I mean, I would get pictures of people holding a gun with dates mm -hmm. under them. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, people, slow down. Yeah. It's a fantasy book. That's all this is. Calm down. Uh, that was that was a little scary. It still is. I still get them to this day. And Locked Out of Heaven, uh, the first version came out. The first edition came out in 2020. The second one came out 21. Um, I, I'm still to this day. This year actually was one of the rougher years for some reason. Um, after Salomon Rushdie was attacked, there was an uptick for some reason. Uh, literally the week he was attacked, uh, I received something on Goodreads. Somebody wrote a a scathing review and it was a call to arms about how all religions would uh should be appalled by this book and and then he kind of he didn't leave the review he put it in the comments so it wouldn't be flagged right and then right after that the guns of god came after me and several other groups can, can i that ask just, just just from my mm -hmm. perspective what exactly is the thing that's triggering everybody is it the idea of the interplay between angels and lucifer is there certain characters dialogue do you use scripture a certain way no uh the biggest problem was they didn't have a problem with the angels becoming the fae that seemed okay i think part of it was that my original publisher put it in christian fiction mm. and so i think people were picking it up thinking it was going to be something else and then they were um, like, whoa, this isn't preaching the Christian word. Uh, but the problem most people had was there was a chapter called Empathy for the Devil, where the dark fae were discussing the fact that the creator, and I don't refer to him as God, I just refer to him as the creator, was locked them out of heaven, out of the shining kingdom. I don't even say heaven, but the shining kingdom. And Lucifer took his horde back and did mm -hmm. not leave them to fight. When the war was over, just one day, he just took his guys back. So the two Dark Fae are discussing it, saying, well, we were left here to suffer, and we still don't know why we couldn't go home. But Lucifer took his horde back. Right. Which one is loving and which one isn't? And she's oh, just kind of philosophizing, like, 
I don't get it. Like he's the father of lies. He's he's all this horrible stuff, but we're here. I don't get it. We were abandoned. Like, and she's just kind of talking out loud. Like, is he really so bad? I, I'm not sure. So that was the first thing people didn't like was Asa just having this discussion with Zion, who's her best friend. And and then the last part was um, there's a very big biblical moment that we all know about the parting of a certain sea. And uh, what really happens is it is a water spout and it is a fey battle that the humans come up and witness. The humans still witness it as a godlike moment, mm -hmm. but it's described as it's a fey battle. So the humans see it as God did this for me. He parted the Red Sea. This is wonderful. Oh my gosh. But in reality, it was the fey making it happen. So I'm not, you know, so the humans still see it as Oh, God did this for me. Moses, that's all happening. Right. But it's a fey battle the humans witness. So they witness this crazy thing and interpret it as supernatural. But it's God. And so, they had a problem with me using that. Once again, it's a fantasy book, guys. But <laughs> okay. And then, um, you know, it, it took it from there. They didn't like that. So there was, there was an issue with me using that moment. And yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they didn't like it. And uh, somebody said, it's not even based in science. And I'm like, um, <laughs> I'm like, um, you, you understand this, right? Right. <laughs> like, I, I didn't even know how to answer that question because I was like, it, it's, the book is not based in science. And I'm like, um, and it was just one of those where I'm like, do I answer this or do I let this go? So I'm yeah, like, I'm going right. to let it go. And I'm going to just leave you for your moment. And I just... I walked away. Um, I've gotten things on Instagram like, I want to send you brochures about fixing your relationship with God. Can I have your home address? I had those for like a while I was getting. So finally, my answer was um, Lucifer has not told me what realm of hell, what ring of hell we'll be living in once we're married. But as soon as I do, I'll let you know um, we're registered at Bed Bath & Beyond. Please send towels. They're very scarce here in hell. Uh, you know, and I've, like, I've had to turn it into a joke because if I started to take it too seriously, I wouldn't get out of bed. Right. And so, and they're still on book one. I kind of laugh. I'm like, you guys are still complaining about book one. Yeah. Wait till you get to book four. I'm like, I really blow it up there. But you know, you poke the bear. So now I've, you know, I was not never looking to insult anybody. It was just, it was just a fantasy book. Yeah. So. Uh but it's always good when when people feel a certain way, good or bad. There's just a, there's a little bit of a all publicity is good publicity in some way, or no? Uh, no. Everybody thought I'm gonna correct. Everybody thought like, oh wow, if the Vatican's coming up, you must like be best on. I'm like, no, 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 because it, it's different when there's a certain scandal and people want to read about the scandal. People just backed off because they they didn't want to touch it. They were just like, I don't want somebody my friend seeing me read that book because it's religion. Religion is different. You know, when it's a certain kind of scandal, like 50 shades of gray and we're like, wink, wink. I heard that book's kind of kinky, you know, they'll buy it and then go home and like read it. But this, they were just like, I don't want to be seen buying this book. I don't want to be seen reading this book because I heard some stuff, you know, this can get you ostracized. So people backed off uh, okay. the Vatican issue. Somebody put something up on YouTube calling, that they wanted the Vatican, they wanted to petition the Vatican to have the book pulled. YouTube pulled the video. So it never got any traction. It was pulled. I don't think the Vatican really cared about my little book. And if 
that Vatican did, I will gladly send the Pope a, a book for free. <laughs> yeah, they'll no charge problem, the Pope. sir. Please don't charge the Pope. <laughs> no problem, Your Excellency. I will send it to you. I, I, you know, out of the kindness of my heart, I'll send you the whole series, and you can yeah. make a decision. But I, I think the Vatican has other things to worry about than the Fay, and if they don't, we're all in bigger trouble than I thought. So, yeah. um, you know, everybody else. I don't really care. It's just like, it's a book. It's a fantasy book. And a lot of other people have found a way to escape with it. So for those few people that are on a soapbox, you know, damning me to hell, the last time I checked, they don't have the power to do that. And until a little bat or something comes by with a decree that I've been banned, you know, where I've been damned to hell, um, I think I'm okay. Back half of 2023 and 2024, what's next for you? I mean, you have the book series already the can. Is there a kind of a, a pushing from the publisher for a brand new series? You want to go on the, on the road? What do you want to accomplish? Uh, I turned in the manuscript for book six, which will end volume one. And that will take us out of the veil, so to speak. And then into the 21st century with volume two, which is Birth of a Succubus. And uh, that is the highlight for me. A little bit because we'll meet agent graham and the psd and the cia which is the inspiration for all this that's my patient's literary persona so i'm kind of excited for everybody to meet agent graham and nurse morgan and kind of see where that all unfolds i've finished three books in volume two so far mm -hmm. so i'm really excited for that to get moving and then we'll kind of see what else it you know happens i probably plan on give or take 15. Not that I, I want the series to end. We'll just kind of see how it goes. I have little novellas and things like that also kind of in the works. Uh, we have an Oracle card series planned as well that will follow from um, volume one when the Oracles actually did a reading. So that will be the same thing. And then our readers could actually have those same cards they used. Uh, we have a compendium of Agent Grahams that he talks about. We have Johan's Codex, which is talked about in volume two. So I'm trying to give the readers some supplemental things. And then uh, a dragon coloring book we're working on. And then possibly uh, a VR, AR version of Los the Dragon that we're working with another uh, company where you might be able to adopt your own little VR, AR version of Los yeah. and uh, have him with you, which I think is kind of cool. You know, you'll be able to kind of play with Los because everybody loves Los. And then I'm working with another author to do some other different things and maybe combine uh, our world to do a novella that'll bridge uh, the realm by C.R. Rice and myself and, and see what happens. So I've got different things planned and then I'll be at GalaxyCon, Richmond, Virginia cool. in March and doing that, maybe hitting some more GalaxyCons. So I'm excited. There's other things planned. Uh, when you do GalaxyCon, do you have like a booth or are you doing like an autograph signing or a panel? Uh, we're going to have a booth. Yeah, she's. Um, we're going to have a bookstore. We were at GalaxyCon Columbus. We had a bookstore, so we'll have another one where I'll be there signing you know, books that you purchase and doing that kind of thing. And I'll be in cosplay. I'll be in Harley. Harley cosplay as usual, running <laughs> around GalaxyCon, taking pictures and things like that. So, yeah, we'll have that. Uh, it's called The Little Bookstore. And so, you know, we're pretty excited about everything that the uh, the veil will be bringing and has to offer for uh, our fanatics. I love it, fanatics. Uh, so, uh, questions we always ask guests on the show: mm -hmm. um, Do you 
believe in days off? And if so, how do you celebrate those? Uh, I'm usually watching football when yeah. I do have a day off. I'm watching football because I also do uh, a football podcast, Moving the Chains, on Wednesdays at Blog Talk Radio. So my day off is football, but it's not my day off. So that's kind of where I go with it. What happens in the spring? XFL, USFL? <laughs> uh, the, the combine, the draft. Oh, fair enough. And then OTAs. So yeah. <laughs> fair enough. She's like, no, I don't. I don't do other leagues. Are you kidding me? Like, I, I keep it. New York Giants the whole way. I mean, what else <laughs> yeah. is there? Let's go, G-Men. Uh, and, and, of course, the most difficult question we ask everyone on the show, what is your favorite junk food? Oh. Okay. You see, I'm, I'm a bit of a sugar nut. Yeah. Yeah. I like chocolate-covered gummy bears. Oh, wow. I've never had those. Oh, my gosh. They're amazing. Where do you get those? Is it? Uh, you can get them at, like, you know, different, different kind of candy stores. Sure. But any of like those candy stores that they think they're old school, you know, yeah. but they're really not. They're like new school. They have chocolate right. covered gummy bears. Phenomenal. I have to try this. And then what you do, if you're like, if you're feeling really froggy, you take them and you take the extreme goldfish in the cheddar blast. Yeah. You put them together and you get the salty and the sweet. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm I'm drawing blanks. I don't. I can't even fathom what a chocolate cover cover beer tastes like. But I will try oh, that. I will try, try that. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the, but the jury's out. Inconclusive. But um, good. Because sometimes people say, I say, what's your favorite junk food? They're like, oh man, I could really go for some water right now. You're like, oh come on. <laughs> you know. So I'm glad it's actually get in there. Food. Yeah, get yeah. in there. Go hard. Uh, uh, Danielle, so great for me on the show. New Am Sam Ray, the podcast for creatives. Now's the time to tell everyone. How they can engage with you, follow you online, send you the fan mail, the good fan mail <laughs> at this time. Uh, you can always find me on Instagram at birth of the Fae, F A E underscore novel. You can also reach out to me on my website at birthofthefae.com. You can check out Blog Talk Radio at Moving the Chains podcast on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then hit me up on any of those places and check me out. I'll answer your football questions or your fake questions, either or. And you can get the Birth of the Face series on Amazon, BarnesandNobles.com, Target.com, or Bookshop.org. What about my cosplay questions? Uh, you, I'll answer your cosplay questions. I'll answer <laughs> cosplay questions. No problem. I'll answer cosplay, football, fay, uh, Loch Ness Monster, right. you name it. Yeah, I like my cryptids, too. You name it, I'll answer it. You know, I'm all good for that. No problem. <laughs> I appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to New Amsterdam Radio. Learn more about the show at newamsterdam.com. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. Until next time, this city is yours.